Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 91. Thank you for joining us. Today, Colby teachers, Mrs. Chrissy Almanzar and Mr. Nicholas Sens join us to discuss Colby's new online world religions class. We discuss this new elective and how it gives the students the opportunity to explore the different religions from throughout the world, from Hinduism to Shintoism to the Abrahamic faiths. In this class, the students will learn how these religions differ from and are similar to our Catholic faith. We hope that you'll enjoy hearing about this marvelous new opportunity for Colby students. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. And I'm Jordan. As a product of homeschooling, I'm proud to teach Greek and Latin for Colby online and serve as the alumni and public relations director. As enrollment season continues, Colby students have an impressive array of courses to choose from for next school year, including a few new ones in the catalog. Here to tell us about the forthcoming World Religions course is Mr. Nicholas Sens from Colby's Theology Department, who's also a widely published writer, among other things, along with Mrs. Chrissy Almanzar, who serves as chair of the Theology Department, teaches upper-level theology, and has a lot to do with the Self-Paced Plus program. Hello to you both. Hello. Hi. We've had the pleasure of conversing with Chrissy on a few Colby Cast episodes, which we will link in the show notes for this one. On episode 79 with your husband, Jordan, who's with us today, our fearless Colby Cast leader, we hear about a certain backyard skating rink and homemade Zamboni. So I'm wondering how your skating season is going, Chrissy. <laughs> Maybe Jordan should talk about that. They've been skating uh, all winter, and we actually have our last weekend of hockey this, uh, this weekend. So I'm looking forward to the hockey games, but I'm also looking forward to them being over. But uh, Jordan's the one who gets up extra early to take Thomas to the morning um, session, so maybe he can say something about that. <laughs> yeah, I would just say I'm glad it's, I, I'm also glad that it's almost over. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun, but it's been long. The seasonal nature of these things it has its merits, right? It's fun, and then it's time to move on to something else. Okay. Well, in the show notes of episode 86, The Rivendell of the Newman Guide with Dr. Ryan Messmore of Magdalen College, there's a link to a picture of the Zamboni in action, and I'll have a link to that in the notes as well. Nick, I'm so happy to meet you today. I've seen your name not only among the instructors since we've been at Colby, but also as a byline in many Catholic online media outlets. Would you tell us about yourself and your ministry in its various forms? Sure. Uh, well, I'm from Oregon originally. Uh, I'm living in Texas now, so I'm kind of a Yankee carpetbagger down here. <laughs> uh, I got my master's degrees in both philosophy and theology at the Dominican School of Philosophy and Theology in Berkeley, California. Uh, they named the place well, you know, for, for what they do there. <laughs> my full-time position is as a director of faith formation at, at a parish here uh, in, the, in the DFW area. But I also teach uh, several classes for Colby. Uh, I've taught a couple classes at the community college here over the last few years as well. Uh, and as you noted, I uh, occasionally find my name in uh, places like Catholic World Report and Alatea, a few others here and there. You know, just happy to keep myself busy. I certainly do that. How, how did you come to Colby? 
Uh, well, funnily enough, my wife had actually attended the uh, the brick and mortar school there in, in Napa uh, when she was younger, which is how I came to hear of Colby. Okay. And then when I found that they did online schooling, I thought, oh, this would be a great opportunity to, to get to teach. You know, mm-hmm. as a director of faith formation, I don't always get to teach very much. Um, yeah. And teaching is my real love and passion. So uh, I was very grateful to find this opportunity and grateful to be teaching for Colby now I think is this my fifth year now math is hard I'm a a theologian (laughs) I don't (laughs) numbers are wizardry to me as far as I'm concerned but (laughs) great great okay so as I mentioned the course catalog has a few new choices including intro to French and Spanish for middle schoolers Writing labs for high schoolers and this world religions course also for high schoolers. How did this one come to be? The world religions course. Uh, well, I had just been thinking over the last few years in a number of different ways that I thought it would be really beneficial for our students to uh, be exposed to to learn more about different religions around the world. I'd actually also been teaching a world religions course at the community college. Um, over the last few years. And uh, in doing that, I just uh, began to grow stronger in the conviction of, boy, I think a lot of our Colby students would really benefit from this as well. Certainly. I've wanted a course like this for a long time. We we actually are able to, in a lot of our uh, religion courses and theology courses at different times in the year, to touch on some topics that have to do with other religions And I know in my classes, they always seem to be the topics that students have a lot to say about. They have a lot of questions and they want want time to discuss them. They want answers to these questions. I know I found myself uh, when I taught ninth grade, I would have to make discussion boards because we would get so involved in the conversations that we didn't have time to really address them uh, effectively in class. It was kind of a thing where I'd be like, okay, we're taking this to the boards because we don't have any more time to, to use, you know, in class for this, but it's such an important topic that I don't want to let it go either. So we would start a discussion board on Schoology where the students could talk more about it, ask more questions. We'd, we'd engage it that way. But it's, it always stood out to me as something that the students are always super interested in. Sure. And uh, there are a lot of important reasons to study it, but for me, I wanted the course for the students because I think they, I think they would like this course. It seems very timely and very important to, as the students are making all the connections, we're hoping that they will in the course of their education and formation here at Colby, that they want to draw that into what they encounter when they're not just in their everyday interactions with people around them and as they're watching what's happening in the world. Is there a certain subset of high schoolers this course is meant for? And what sort of ground are you planning to cover? It's a high school class. It's designed as an academic elective. So it's not going to be a a substitute for any of the four years of theology. You won't get theology credit for it. Um, But it's it's gonna be a wonderful companion course to all of our theology curriculum. So yeah, academic elective. So for those students who are interested in taking a theological course, they'll get a lot of Catholic theology in it, but they aren't necessarily looking for theology credit. We're also recommending that students have at least some catechesis, whether it's through their own church or maybe it's just that they've taken Theology 9. They have some uh, introduction to scripture as a prereq for the course so that they have some kind of uh, Catholic formation 
as well before they take it. So as to sort of the, the course plan and what well, we're going to be covering in the course, um, the, the approach that we're setting out is to look at different religious traditions from around the world and kind of grouping them geographically. Because part of what we're doing is not only learning about what different religious traditions believe, but the history of them as well. And that kind of ties into one big reason uh, among several that I'll mention, but one big reason that I think this class can be beneficial to students is because it will teach you about different people around the world and uh, you know their, their motivations, their histories, and help you to understand what's going on in the world as you look at it around you. When you look at uh, the conflict between you know, Russia and Ukraine right now, why does Russia historically consider Ukraine a part of itself? Why, when you see a certain leader speaking about the importance of the city of Kiev to those peoples, what does that have to do with? Well, it has to do with the Christianization of uh, you know, peoples in Eastern Europe, and that ties into the history of Eastern Orthodoxy. When you want to understand what are these different disputes between different groups of Muslims in the Middle East and other parts of the world, what's the difference between a Shia and a Sunni Muslim? Understanding that will help you to understand those histories and those conflicts uh, going on in the world. So, in the first part of the course, we'll be looking at, and all of this advice, I may tweak it a little bit between now and, and when, uh, when we end up doing it this, this fall. Yeah. Uh, but we'll look at religious traditions originating in India. So we'll look at Hinduism, uh, Buddhism, Jainism, and Sikhism. You know, our students might even discover there are some major religious traditions they hadn't even heard of before. Mm-hmm. We'll look at religious traditions uh, originating in China and Japan. So things like uh, Confucianism, Taoism, Shintoism. Uh, we'll look at, of course, religious traditions originating in the Middle East, the Abrahamic faiths. So we'll take a look at Judaism, uh, at Christianity and Islam. Um, and we'll actually spend a quarter looking at different parts of Christianity itself. So uh, we'll spend some time on the Eastern Orthodox churches. We'll even spend a week on the Eastern Catholic churches, which are a part of our own church, but one that I think a lot of uh, students don't understand very well. And I find in the theology courses, students always get very interested when I mention the Eastern Catholic churches. And they're very interested. We have a few Eastern Catholic students as well in hearing about their experiences. And we'll learn about the different branches of uh, coming out of the, the Protestant Reformation. And we'll spend a week on atheists and agnostics, and sort of what their, uh, what their approach is. And with each of these traditions, we're not only going to learn about those religious traditions and what they believe, but do kind of a compare and contrast. So in these different areas uh, regarding who is God, how ought we to live, etc. and so forth, we'll compare what does this tradition say? What does the Catholic tradition say? You know, what does the Catholic Church teach? Whereas you know, we as Catholics um, have the fullness of the truth, right? the benefit of divine revelation and the guidance of the magisterium, um, but we can still find elements of truth in, uh, in these other religious traditions, which is what the church teaches us. So we're also going to look at some of the documents of the Second Vatican Council and recent popes talking about interreligious dialogue, about how we should uh, regard and, and approach and respect people of other religious traditions and uh, be able to have a fruitful dialogue with them to be able to hopefully bring them to see the truth of the Catholic faith. 
It sounds fantastic. And this is exactly what I was hoping to find out when I heard about this course. It sounds like just a thing to complement so many of the other courses our students take to go into whatever interactions they have going forth from from Colby, and even while they're still high school students. Yeah. So you bring up you bring up for what's to come after Colby. I think that's one of, one of the reasons, also not just because students are interested in it, but like I said, multiple good reasons to study world religions. But one of them also, for me, is. Um, that I want to feel like we're really equipping our students for what they're going to encounter after their time at Colby. Mm -hmm. And I always keep that in mind, no matter what grade I'm teaching. I try to give them, when, when I'm teaching the content, I try to give them a little taste of what they may hear out in the secular world or what they may find, you know, um, someone saying outside of a Catholic environment. And I think I do that because when I, I had the experience in college where I had uh, some friends who were Christian who had trouble in a secular setting in a secular university. They had trouble and, and some of them even lost their faith because they encountered questions they had never thought of. And um, some of them even went to Christian schools and had formation, but it, it was almost demoralizing when they encountered these questions that their teachers had never mentioned to them, it made them feel like, well, did my teachers not know the, these questions? Did they not know the answers? Did they even know this is what the world is discussing? Um, and if so, why didn't they tell me? And so some of them had a real difficult time maintaining their faith in college. And so even in, in simple ways, when I'm teaching, I always try to give them a little bit of a little taste of what what is out there and what they will encounter because I want them to feel firm in their faith. And I don't want them to feel like, I guess, bombarded when it, when it hits. If they take an, a Bible as lit course, or if they take a religious studies course, I want them to know that they can take these courses, they can engage these questions, and they have answers. There are answers. So equipping our students for what they will encounter is an important part of, of for me, of why I'm really happy about this course. Because we're all from this very strong Christian culture. I mean, maybe post-Christian now, possibly. But still, I mean, it's part of all of our lives. It's part, I mean, like, like you're saying, it's just, it's it's like you don't even know there's something else. Sometimes you don't even know there's something else outside of that. So I, you know, I agree that it's wonderful to kind of know, here are the origins. Here's where, like you're saying, even historically, here's where these other religions started and when they started and how they started and what they say, how they, I mean, because, you know, especially after 9-11, when we're hearing about all the different Islam and the different, it's, it was just confusing. We, 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 I knew nothing about any of that, or even, you know, basing it, like you were saying, on from Abraham and those connections. So, yeah, I think, I think this would be wonderful. Well, I was going to add that, you know, even if, even if you do attend a Catholic college, there are still non-believing non-believers non-catholics or students of other religions who go to catholic colleges and some of them have very strong ideas about why they are not catholic and so they will encounter it our students will if they haven't already many of them have already but if they haven't they will certainly encounter it and uh it may not be through their instructors it may be through the students but i would hate for them to feel like you know they learned all this Catholic theology in high school, but didn't really feel like they learned how to be a faithful Catholic 
in our world today in the U.S. So that's that's always on my mind when I'm teaching. I think that in a way this course dovetails nicely with Theology 11. In Theology 11, uh, we spend an, a quarter. Uh, well, Theology 11 overall, a, a big part of it is apologetics about uh, being able to defend the faith, uh, to to answer uh, kind of commonly asked questions uh, about the Catholic faith and to have a good, uh, solid, reasonable response for them. We spent an entire quarter in that course reading St. Thomas Aquinas uh, from his Summa Contra Gentiles, which was written directed towards uh, fellow monotheists, right, fellow, uh, Jews and Muslims, but to show them why Christianity was reasonable. For him to be able to do that, he had to be very familiar with Judaism and Islam. And so you see him referring to uh, the beliefs of Jews and Muslims, the writings of Jewish and Muslim uh, theologians and philosophers. And, you know, and this is uh, you know, St. Thomas's approach throughout his writings in the Summa Theologiae, uh, which is his, his handbook, his beginner's handbook of theology that's five volumes. <laughs> My students love that when I pull it off of the shelf and I show them these five books. This is your beginner's handbook. Uh, <laughs> but in the, in the kind of uh, question objection response kind of format that he's writing in there he considers the strongest counter arguments to all different teachings and aspects of the catholic faith he considers those counter arguments and he responds to them and that's something you know that i really want to equip our students with is you need to be familiar with the other ideas out there so that you know how to respond to them so that you know you can have a firm foothold on your faith uh, and not be shaken when a question comes up. So that's, that's another big part of what I want to do in this course is to uh, be able to show just because there are different ideas out there, it doesn't mean that there isn't a truth. Uh, sometimes you'll hear people say, well, the fact that there are all of these different religions out there, that must mean that they're all false, which is a silly conclusion to draw. Um, if there are many different ideas of who God is, that doesn't mean there's no God. It means there might be some disagreement amongst these different peoples. But wouldn't that suggest more strongly that there is a God and there's just some dispute about who he is or what he wants? And that's where we have the benefit of the divine revelation in the Catholic faith and the guidance of the magisterium. So these are the kinds of things that I, I want our students to be uh, introduced to, to and to wrestle with in a class in the context of our Catholic school where um, they're not just gonna have these questions and not know where to turn for, for an answer, but to be able to think them through together um, and, and find the answers that they're looking for. One of the things that, why I think this will be good for especially kids this age, students this age, is when I was in graduate school, um, I majored in religious studies and one of the, most surprising things to me was the large amount of 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 religious religiousness that I grew up with that I thought had been unique. Um, but you find certain things in other religions. But what it did for me though was it, it helped narrow down what is truly unique. And eventually, I, uh, it was a big part of my becoming Catholic was going through this and, and sort of seeing the things that I had grown up with in my own tradition being represented by other 
other religions. So, for example, I'll just say the, the big one, there's a big religious studies term for it called collective effervescence, which what it means is it's the feeling you get in a large crowd and this sort of feeling of, of being overwhelmed, which in my evangelical tradition, that was, um, that was a big part of it. Like this feeling, how could this feeling be wrong? And then when you start learning about like Islam, when they, they make their pilgrimages and things and, and, they, and testimonies of people having this feeling, um, I realized that's a feeling that's, that's a feeling that's not, you know, it doesn't make uniqueness. Other people are experiencing it in other traditions. So it really pared down what is actually unique. And I think to be able to understand that and then articulate it is really valuable for students. And I wish I would have had something like that when I was, when I was younger, rather than finding it in my twenties. I'm glad you said that, Nick, that this dovetails nicely with Theology 11, because it's funny, as I was like reading through the text, I was thinking, this is perfect with Theology 9, and this just works so well with Theology 12, and this, so I'm glad it, you know, it, it works well with the others, too, but the thing that the text does really well is uh, it presents the practices of these religious traditions, so when in Theology 11, the students are equipped with the theological reasons for um, some of the teachings of the church and how to kind of have these discussions with uh, people, non-believers and people of other faiths. The text does a good job of showing what the beliefs are, but also showing how, what that expression looks like and what the practices are. So then th there becomes a really important practical application for this kind of a class, because then you see the, you see the other religious traditions playing out you see it before your eyes and then you are able to kind of look at our own traditions and what and what our practice looks like. And so I, I like that there's this element of um, not just the faith and, and what the beliefs are of religions, but also the practice of these religions. Because when we narrow it down to what that we're people and this is what people do, then we kind of have a, a little bit of a sort of level playing field to interact on. We're all people, we're all trying to interact in, in our own way with God. But anyhow, the, the practical element I think is gonna be really beneficial for students because, because we live in an increasingly intercultural world and uh, we see these different faiths playing out before our eyes. Um, it's, a, it's good for us to understand the differences between um, how they express their religious uh, beliefs and, and then we can look at how we express ours. Yeah, I, I think I'm thinking back on my experience of teaching the world religions course at the college level and how um, the students are always fascinated to see these kind of similar um, similar themes coming up again and again in the different religious traditions. That so many have a notion of sacrifice, that so many have uh, periods of the year where they're fasting or different times of the year where they're fasting, that there is a lot more uh, agreement on morality and codes of behavior. So we can look at that from a Catholic perspective and see, yes, God has implanted in every human being uh, the desire for himself. And now that, through the course of human history and uh, the vicissitudes of history, ends up getting expressed in different places around the world. 
But again, those commonalities should all point us, say they're all pointing in a certain direction. And so we can see then um, that we find the fullness of the truth of those things in the Catholic faith. And that when we meet people of other religious traditions and we want to share our Catholic faith with them, a great starting point uh, and a great way to make the other person willing to hear you out is if you're familiar with their religious tradition. And if you can point out commonalities, see, we both share uh, a great love for a sacred scripture, or, uh, you know, we both fast. Say, you fast during Ramadan, I fast during Lent. You know, that <laughs> we have that in common. And it's from those points of commonality that you can start uh, a fruitful conversation that can open up uh, you know, a person's heart to receive the grace of God, to work on their heart, and perhaps bring them to conversion. So um, you know, we, can, we can find a lot of different sort of uses and benefits to a course like this. Yeah, as, as Jordan said, studying, studying religions was a big part of why we even became Catholic. So as non-Catholic, studying religion was really beneficial to us. Um, we were Christian, but not Catholic. I think it goes the other way too, that uh, for Catholics, it's really beneficial to study world religions because we are called to evangelize. And so, you know, in our day and age, we come in contact, our neighbors are Muslims, our coworkers are Buddhist, you know, so we're in close quarters with peoples of other religions. And how can we truly evangelize if we don't try at all to understand them, um, understand their perspective? I, I'm, I'm, thinking of, we just read in Theology 12, Evangelium Vitae, and JP2 says that all people are, uh, they belong to God, all people belong to God and are entrusted to the church. So that means everyone, everyone of every faith are entrusted to the church. So as members of the church, that means I should really care about them and, and where they're coming from. I should try if I can to find some way to uh, effectively communicate with them. And oftentimes in studying religions, we find that, we find that entry point um, to have conversations like this. Right, I think of uh, Aristotle and his three sort of proofs or three, three methods of persuasion, uh, you know, logos, pathos, and ethos. right? So you can, you know, with logos, right, with sort of uh, the appeal to reason, that can, uh, you know, that can be expressed both by you explaining well the Catholic faith, but also by you showing an understanding for another person's faith. Um, by pathos, right? You can understand what another person's religious tradition means to them and for you to communicate what yours means to you. And same with ethos, then where that comes in, where you uh, express your own practice of faith and show how the Christian faith brings you joy and brings you fulfillment and happiness. Um, but again, this all can be benefited uh, by having a greater understanding of different religious traditions from around the world. Great as Catholics too, that we don't have to approach this with some sort of fear or, you know, like, oh, don't expose yourself to that because mm -hmm. there's a danger of being drawn in because when you you have this revelation, you have when you have the true church that's guiding you, you know that understanding is just going to lead you to a better, a better understanding of that person and where, like you're saying, where they're coming from without, well, at least there shouldn't be that danger of saying, wow, they've got it right and we don't, you know, that's, that's the, that's kind of the, one of the wonderful things about being part of the church. Mm -hmm.
you know, in Humani Generis, Pius XII has this sort of quote that I, I love. And of course, he's, he's referring to some philosophies and, and certain scientific methods, but it really applies well to religion, the study of religion as well. And he says the reason that we should engage these other ideas is because it leaves us to an, a more nuanced discussion of our own faith. So studying other religions leads us to a more nuanced discussion of our own. He says that it also, it's, it's important for us to be able to diagnose any problems when they're found. So any issues, anything that, are, anything that are wrong, we should be able to diagnose that. And then he says, we also wanna be able to identify any kernels of truth that may exist within them. So three reasons that are good reasons, good enough for me, to, to study uh, world religions. But also I would say, um, Stephen, to what you said, I would, I would recommend the, almost the exact opposite. I would say keeping, keeping a student from, from world religions could very well have the opposite effect when they encounter it. I feel much more comfortable being the one to talk to my students about world religions than having them encounter it in some other setting that may be secular or where they don't have sort of the support that they may need to, to come to terms with it and understand it and, and understand how to respond to it. From a practical standpoint for our Colby mothers and students and things deciding, okay, we want to take this course and they can take it in a number of areas I understand, but is there, is there an ideal from, if, if you're saying, well, after, after Theology 11, that's kind of the best time to take it, or is it, is it pretty much once you've got those basic, like you were saying, the prerequisites that are part of the course, then you're, you should be good to go? I would say it really depends on the formation that, that the student has had outside of the theology courses. The, our theology courses are important because they all introduce theology and church history in some way. And so we won't get into in this course a whole lot of church history. And that's really important for students to have because it's a really common way for people, for non-Catholics now to, to attack Catholic faith. Often they use history to do it. Um, so church history is important. They won't get that in this course. They will get history, but just not so much church history. I don't know, Nick, would you say you'd like for them to have theology, it would be great for them to have theology 11 before this course? I I, I think they could do fine without it. Mm -hmm. It stands it stands apart um, and it stands on its own, but the more, the more basis they have, the more formation they have um, in, in Catholic theology, the more enlightening the course may be for them. Mm -hmm. Although they'll, they'll get so much out of it regardless. Yeah, I, I'm kind of of two minds. Part of me wants to say, in one sense, they would be best equipped uh, if they have taken a few of our theology courses already. Another part of me says, it sort of stands alone uh, enough on its own that um, I, I would recommend any student to be able to, to take the course. With the, and that's part of uh, also me being aware that in my teaching the course, I feel comfortable enough to be able to uh, tackle and explain any questions that, that come up for them. Um, so, and also part of me just wanting as many students as possible to take the course and say, sure, anybody, you know, come on in. I'm imagining this sheet I have laid out of the progression of courses for all my kids. Like, where is this one going to go? I want to make sure this one gets in. So I'm glad you asked that, Stephen. Yeah.
Well, it, it was kind of selfish because my, I have an 11th grader, a rising 11th grader, and we've already signed him up for Theology 11. I was thinking, well, maybe he could do both, or should we do the one after the other? And so, <laughs> yeah. a little, little selfish there. But uh, I think he could, he could do both. I mean, I think, I think it could, that, that could be a good, I envision this course going nicely alongside any of our high school theology courses. Yes, I'd, I would echo that. I, I really appreciate the the attention that you have paid and the highlights you have drawn to the approach you're taking of we respect the God-given dignity of every person and we approach him with that respect. So bringing that as among the things to the conversation, to the understanding of where the people are coming from and that has to go so far in in interacting with them. You know, I'm, I'm reminded uh, now from what you said, Bonnie, of a talk I heard from uh, Dr. Peter Kraft a number of years ago, where he gave a talk on ecumenism, uh, the relationship between different Christian churches, but he expanded that out also into the church's approach to other religions. And the way he put it was that we can draw people of other faiths into the Catholic faith if we help them to see that what they value in their own tradition can be found in its fullness in the Catholic faith. That a Muslim realizes, in a sense, he can be the best kind of Muslim, that he is worshiping the, the one God, which is kind of the emphasis in Islam, when he best understands who that one God is, you know, revealed as, as a triune communion of persons. That a someone from a Protestant tradition who has a great love for the Word of God, when they see that Catholics do revere the Word of God as they do the body of the Lord, uh, as uh, the Second Vatican Council taught in Dei Verbum, so and he kind of went along in that in that same vein um, that we can when we can see and recognize those kernels of truth in the other religious tradition that both helps another person to be understood and feel respected but also can be that kind of pathway in to showing them the beauties of the catholic faith as well so it's i hate to use the word dovetail again because i like to you know vary my vocabulary but still <laughs> these two purposes work together very nicely that we can simultaneously understand and respect other people while also showing them the beauties of the catholic faith so i don't want it to seem too much either well we just study other people's as a you know a point of interest or curiosity but neither do i want it to seem this is merely an instrumental and mercenary way for you you to get them to become catholic um, but that we can both show them respect and, and understanding their own faiths and at the same time all the better propose Jesus Christ to them. Good emphasis on modeling how to have those conversations is part of that also. That's kind of a, a tricky business is, is mm -hmm. how to engage in those conversations. Sounds like you have built that in as well, how to progress in that. Mm -hmm. I'm excited about this course. I know Chrissy has been, um, I started smiling all day after um, she found out the course was gonna go through. <laughs> yay, yay. So, I think it is it is something that's needed and will benefit a lot of people. And so I was glad to to hear that it's happening and then to come here, find out a little bit more about it. And glad our listeners will get a chance to sort of get a taste of what it's going to be like. Right. So enrollment is open. So this one is among the options in enrollment. So we'll be leaving some links in our show notes of how to get that process started for new families and uh, current Colby families have received information already how to get that process going for next year. So there's that. 
speaking to a point you you referenced earlier, Nick, about the present situation in, in with Russia and Ukraine, two of our Colby instructors, Mrs. Prudlow and Mrs. Hayes, put together a presentation on on that situation. And we have a link to that in our show notes. It's a it's about 20 or so minutes long, very helpful. And it's for families. So uh, students and parents both to watch together. And so uh, look for that. Are there final thoughts or uh, resources or recommendations you'd have for for parents of, of students enrolling in this course or looking to to understand this better themselves? I think that it could be a great opportunity for families to learn together. Uh, we're, we are going to have uh, one main text as uh, as our textbook that helps the students to learn you know kind of the basics of the different religious traditions but we'll be sprinkling in the, a lot of other different texts and, and links to different things um, different church documents about interreligious dialogue and ecumenism you know different uh, essays by famous theologians on some of these uh, Chris and I were talking about maybe including some things from uh, Joseph Ratzinger, aka Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, who is always worth reading. So we're we're still finalizing some of uh, some of those different readings, but I would definitely recommend that uh, that parents check out those those texts along with their students. Good deal. Yeah, the 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 text that uh, we're using is uh, World Religions: A Voyage of Discovery, um, and then to begin with, there are a few. Uh, Nick mentioned the. Uh, uh, Vatican II documents. Didn't you have three to begin with? Uh, Agentes, um, Nostra Aetate, I think was the second one. Yes. There was a third one. Unitatis Red Integratio. Yeah, that, that was the third one. I think mm -hmm. that to sort of lay down a, a groundwork, and those are really easy for parents to find. So if mm -hmm. they're interested in, they don't have the text, and they just want to kind of see what some church documents um, say about this, those three would be a quick way for them to, to see sort of the approach and, and some of what their student will be reading. And they're short, so that always helps too. <laughs> I can see that this would be a fantastic dinner conversation. When my son takes this class, it'll be, okay, what did you, what were you talking about today? Let's delve in and, and uh, find out about that. That would be fantastic at the dinner table. Mm -hmm. I actually hear that a lot from my students. We were talking about this at the dinner table. Uh, something you said in class yesterday or whatever. So I think that happens a lot. That's great. Well, I, as I said at the beginning, it seems it seems so timely and necessary and the approach you're taking seems just just right. And so I'm going to revisit my all my plans, see how this is going to work for us. I, I hope it is a great success. And I hope that you'll report back on how how it's landing with students and families. Nick and Chrissy, thank you so much for coming to talk to us today. Uh, we look forward to having you guys back to visit with us very soon. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Subscribe to the Colby Cast on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss an episode. And let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating or a review. And as always, feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.